Welcome to Come and Reason with Christian psychiatrist and author Dr. Tim Jennings. Together we will reason through complex issues to find evidence-based answers that harmonize scripture, science, and our life experiences. I'm your Come and Reason host, Charles Mills. It has touched us all in one form or another. For some, it's a painful bump in the road. For others, it can be a life-altering and even destructive event. I'm talking about grief, that great sorrow that envelops us when we lose someone we love. I have felt it. You, listener, have certainly felt it. And I'm sure Dr. Jennings has felt it as well. As a matter of fact, he did just recently. Grief is universal and unrelenting because we live in a sinful world where death is part of life. Are there things we can do to help ease our journey through grief? Let's put that question to Dr. Jennings. He joins us via Skype. Dr. Jennings, the time is yours. Well, Charles, you know, this is such an important topic today because it is so true that everyone at some point in their life will experience loss. It could be loss of a loved one. It could be loss of a relationship. It could be loss of an ability, loss of health. Losses that are significant to us will result in grief. It could be loss of an animal, a pet. Many of my patients are grieving. So I want to tell our listeners, if you're grieving today, if you're you're in that place of heartache, place of pain or discouraged, I want to assure you that it can be healed. No matter how bad it hurts, don't give up. Or how dark the depression, don't give in. No matter how high the, the shadows of despair, don't surrender. But seek the healing that Christ provides because God never puts us in a position where he has not made provision if we're willing to let him work in our lives. He will bring healing. Maybe painful process we go through, but that process will be healed when we follow the Lord's principles in our lives. And we're going to go through some very specific things now that we can do to work with the Lord to bring healing in the aftermath of loss. So first thing, I want you to use the analogy of a physical wound as we think about these emotional or heartbreaking wounds that we've had. Once a wound has happened, say somebody took a knife and gashed us on the leg. Once we have the wound, we can't reverse history. We can't undo it. We don't get a redo. And so there's only three options to deal with that gash on our leg or that wound. We can treat it as effectively as possible to bring healing as quickly as possible, antibiotics, antiseptics, suturing it. That's option one. Mm-hmm. Option two, we can ignore it. Oh, I'll be fine. It's okay. Mm-hmm. Option three, we can purposely infect it. Let's get some manure and rub in it. Mm-hmm. Emotional wounds are the same. Once you've experienced a loss, a wound, we don't get a redo. We don't get to reverse history. So we only have three options. Deal with it as effectively as we can to bring healing as quickly as possible, or ignore it, I'll be fine, I'm okay, get busy into work or other things so we don't focus on it, or infect it. And when it comes to physical wounds, almost everybody initially deals with it effectively. They go to the ER, let's get it treated quickly. Mm -hmm. But amazingly, when it comes to deep emotional wounds, often people choose to ignore it or infect it. And that only makes things worse. I had a patient came to see me who was not sleeping. She wasn't eating. She was crying all the time. She was 27 and had a 13-month-old child at home. And six months earlier, she awoke and found her husband, sadly, dead in bed next to her. He died in the night. And she came to me blaming herself. 
If I were awake, I could have heard him stop breathing. If I had woken up, I could have done CPR. I could have called 911. And she filled her mind with images of him laying there dead beside her and self-blame and somehow it was her fault. She was infecting her mind with false guilt that somehow it was her failure that resulted in the loss of her husband. And so rather than dealing with it as effectively as possible, she was making it worse by putting false conclusions into the wound. Jesus said, the truth will set us free. And this principle works on all levels. The truth might not be pleasant. It might be painful, but it will free us and bring healing. And so let's be real, folks. Grief sucks. Yes. And no one likes it. And because it's so horrible, the typical response is to try to avoid it. But grief cannot be really avoided. You can't go around it. You can't go under it. You can't go over it. You can only go through it. Mm -hmm. And grief comes in waves. Now, imagine being at the beach and you see a big wave coming in and you try to run from it, but it catches you from behind. What happens? It knocks you down. If you see the wave coming, and as it comes, you lean into it, you get completely drenched, but you stay on your feet. Mm. Grief is like this. When we're not leaning into it, we get knocked down. And what happens is people will not be leaning into it, not working through it, and they'll be driving, going through their business, and they'll see a hat somebody's wearing, and it and it knocks them down, and off they go into grief and crying. Or they hear a song on the radio, or see a car someone's driving, or see a watch someone's wearing, and it reminds them of their lost loved one, and it knocks them down in tearfulness, and they have to leave whatever they're doing. So I give my patients a little exercise to do. I tell them to get no more, it doesn't have to be more than 15 minutes, 15 minutes of home alone each day, where they can be by themselves. And for that 15 minutes, lean into it. Purposely turn off the TV, the radio, the cell phone, everything off for 15 minutes and lean into the, the loss. Reflect on what that person meant to you, how your life is different. And if you need to cry, you cry. If you need to wail or scream, you're home alone. Let it out. Scream. If you need to hit something, you can pound on your mattress. You can't hit anything else. <laughs> and when your 15 minutes is up, you wipe away the tears, you pick yourself up, and you go about your business. And then when you're out and you see that hat or you hear that song, you say, you know what? I'm going to bring that hat out or play that song during my 15 minutes. Mm. And you're going to do that every day until there will come a day. I can't tell you exactly how long. It's different for different people where you're going to go, you know, I only need to do this three times a week. And you'll do it three times a week for a while. And then you'll say, I only need to do this once a week. And then you're going to, I only need to do this maybe once a month. And then pretty soon you won't have to do it anymore at all. Mm. And I can't tell you how many, so many of my patients have done this and they tell me it is truly helpful for them to do this exercise. So step one in the grief process is stand your ground and do not run, but lean into it. That is hard, I think, as we get closest to the, to the event that happens, stand your ground. This is something that we need to start right away. Is this phase two or is this right there with phase one? Phase one, stand phase your ground, one, right. okay. don't run. You lean into the loss, give yourself permission to feel the pain and grapple with it, wrestle through it. Of course, get supports, get, get your friends, get your other family, talk it out with people. My point is don't run from the loss into busyness or, or some people, you know, that it's classic. It's shown all the time in movies and things run into alcohol. Yeah, yeah anesthetize themselves with, with substances so they don't feel it. This is not adaptive and healthy. It doesn't resolve it quickly. It delays the wound healing. 
step one, lean into it, stand your ground, lean into it, deal with it. Step two, be truthful. The example the patient I just gave was an example where she was not being truthful. She was bringing distortions or false – and this is very common in grief. And, and the reason our minds do this is because on some level we don't want to accept the new reality. We don't want to accept the life without our love. And we don't want to accept the life without our leg if we lost our leg or our health. And so what happens is people will begin running through their mind. If I would have done this, if I could have done, I could have stopped if I would have done that. If we would have done this instead. And so they're looking on some unconscious level. They know the only real power they have is over themselves. And so they look for all the things they could have done differently that could have changed the outcome. This is not being truthful because there was no purposeful, willful knowledge that a death was approaching or a loss was approaching. So there was no willful decision to to cause this outcome. And they're going back now with their imagination and imagining, well, if I'd have done this, it wouldn't have happened. I should have. And then I should have done that. That's my fault because I didn't do that. You see how, how that introduces distortion or falsehood that makes guilt that is false guilt that interferes with grief resolution. And part of the reason people hold on to that false guilt is because in reality, they don't want to let go of what they lost. Mm, yes, I can see why. And so here's another metaphor. And of course, let's, let's be honest. Everything I'm telling you, it's still a process. It takes time. Even with these insights, it cannot be done instantly. It has to be worked through. But there does come a time when people need to let go and move forward. So I use this metaphor. Imagine you're out in uh, maybe the back wilderness of Alaska on a hike with your loved one, and there's no radios and there's no cell phones. You're on a real, real outing way out in the, in the boonies. And sadly, the person you're with has a heart attack and dies on the trail. What are you going to do? Well, for a period of time, you will sit down next to them on the trail and you will cry and you will grieve. But there will come a point in time. I can't tell you how long it'll be, but it'll come that you will have to make a decision. I either get up and go on without them and get back to life and civilization, or I lay down here and die with them. Mm. And that metaphor is true for grief. We will pause and we will stay stuck for a while. I don't want to go on without this person. I'll go through the routines of life. I'll get up. I'll fix the meals for my kids. I'll send them to school. I'll clean the house. I'll go to work. But our heart isn't in it. Our heart is stuck back with that person. But at some point, we have to decide, I'm letting go, I'm saying goodbye, and I'm going on with my life. And we reinvest our heart, or we stay stuck, and we're going through the motions of life, but our heart is a year, five, ten years back somewhere, and we aren't really living anymore. We're stuck with the dead. Mm-hmm. And this is what Jesus said, let the dead bury the dead. Yeah. Don't stay stuck with the dead. Move on and reengage your life after you've grieved properly. How do you deal with the spouse who says, you know, if I move on, if I fall in love again, if I remarry, I'm being unfaithful to my spouse that has passed away? I would ask, what is your understanding of the commitment that you've made to this person? Was it not till death do you part? That's true. That's true. Okay. And if death has parted you, then how can you be unfaithful when you have completed your marriage vow? You've you've finished the commitment that you've made. You no longer have a commitment. So this isn't about the actual commitment. This is about their heart not wanting to have another. And there's no requirement. You don't have to remarry. You don't have to re-engage in a romantic relationship. We're talking about re-engaging with your children, with your church, with your community, where you're actually going out there. And I would say, so here's what I say to people who've lost 
because I lost my dad many years ago and I went through this grief process and I remember coming to this point that we're talking about right now where uh, I was starting to feel bad for enjoying things that he and I used to enjoy because he wasn't here to enjoy them anymore. How can I enjoy them without him? You see, this dawned on me, you know, one day the Lord is coming back. And I'm going to see my dad again. And regardless of what we believe about what he knows there or doesn't know there today, that's not really relevant. What's relevant is when we meet our loved ones again, they're going to want to have us tell them because that's what relationships do. He's going to say, son, tell me about your life. He wants to hear it from me. And if I say to my dad, well, dad, after you died, I just got depressed and, and I never got over it. I just, I just cried for the next 40 years of my life. My father would smack me in the head. <laughs> yes. He would say, I didn't raise you to be that way. And I realized that grief and crying and, and going through that was normal. But my dad would want me to stop grieving and to reinvest and have the most vibrant, happy, joyful life that I could possibly have. And I will say this, and any human that loves you would want the same. It is possible that there are people out there who don't really love you. They're selfish and want to possess you. And therefore, they sent you messages that give you this view that if you ever move on without them, they'll hate you. But if they give you that view, they're only informing you that they never really loved you. Because when we really love somebody, we don't want them to hurt and we don't want them to suffer. And we want them to have a very joyful life. Stand your ground, be truthful, and let go. Those are the steps that Dr. Jennings has outlined for us today as we deal with something that we all deal with sometime or other, and that is grief. Dr. Jennings, thank you so much for sharing these words of wisdom with us. We appreciate it. Thank you, Charles. And listeners, we invite you to comeandreason.com. It's a website where you'll find a lot of resources to help you in all areas of life and all areas of relationships and all areas of worship with God. That's all at comeandreason.com. Until next time, this is Charles Mills along with Dr. Tim Jennings wishing you God's presence in your life. Goodbye, everyone. Thank you for spending time with us today. To continue the journey, I urge you to visit comeandreason.com. Here you'll find many excellent resources to help you gain a deeper understanding of the God we all love and serve. That's at comeandreason.com. This is Charles Mills, along with Dr. Tim Jennings, inviting you to join us the next time we come and reason together. <music> <music>